So open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll start with verse 10. Two weeks from today is the next membership class. If you want to join our church, that's how you do it. If you'd just like to uh, find out more about our church, you can do that through the membership class as well. And if you're coming, if you'll fill out a connection card, it's got a place there for membership class and let us know you're coming. You can do that online. Uh, let us know you're coming as well if you're online today. And then on two weeks from today, on the uh, 29th, that is, of this month, we'll take communion together in our Sunday morning services. That's always a special time for us. We'll open your Bible. Oh, and I wanted to say one last word about that. In your uh, worship guide, you notice it says a list of all the adult classes for life groups. We've got classes for the other ages as well, but just the adult classes, those names and of the teachers and the classes at 8.30 or 9.40 or 11 o'clock hour, and I'd commend that to you. I love life groups. We'll open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, and we're going to talk about this treasure of the gospel that God puts in clay jars, talking about us in clay jars. So uh, 26 years ago this month, I came to FBCO as the pastor, and uh, back in those days, I would sometimes play basketball with the guys back in the days when they were glad to have me on their team. And then over time, that got less so, and I got slower, and I got, uh, couldn't jump as well, I couldn't run as well, and my uh, crossover became a cross-out, and it just, I had more problems. And eventually the day came when people said, oh, look at Pastor Doug. He's out there playing. Isn't that precious, they would say. And your body, just over time, that's the way the human body is, it just it's frail and it's fragile. It's a clay jar, the Bible says, and it's not made to last forever. God will give us a new body in heaven, but in this world, it, it's a, all the fragility that comes with being human and mortal. And the Bible talks to us about this in chapter 4, 2 Corinthians, verse 7. Let's read there together. But we're going to see that God uses us to accomplish great things for his glory. Let's read verse 7. The Bible says, Now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. Despite our weaknesses, God entrusts us with the great treasure of the gospel. Despite our bodies of clay, despite our fragility, our frailness, God entrusts us with the great treasure of the gospel. And let's note three principles together. And if you're a note taker, uh, you can write these three principles down. If you're online, you can join us in doing that as well. Let's note these three principles about clay jars. Number one, our treasure is greater than us. Our treasure is greater than us. Verse 7 says, Now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. So the Bible is saying we are weak, fragile, frail jars of clay. That's the description for us. Our human bodies, our even emotional and mental well-being, we are clay jars. We're jars of clay. God 
doesn't keep this treasure in a vault or a safe, but in us. But in us. We crack and we break and we fall apart. And yet he puts this treasure in us. That's the place where God chooses to put this great treasure of the gospel. Knowing all the weaknesses, all the sinfulness, all the brokenness, all the failures of our past, all the spiritual difficulties and struggles and brokenness of our past, all the physical maladies that come with being mortal in this human world. And yet God puts that in us. I learned something about the fragility of that, of those jars of clay when I was uh, young. In fifth grade, I was in art class, and the only thing that stood between me and a great career in art was talent. That's all that stood in the way. But I did learn how to make clay jars, or especially, my specialty really was ashtrays. And though my parents never smoked a cigarette, they had ashtrays laying around just in case they started later in life or something, I guess. And I learned as I'd make those clay ashtrays, I learned about how frail that clay can be. And even when you put it in the kiln, which is a great idea, take a bunch of fifth graders and put them around 1,500 degrees and and let's see what happens. But Somehow we survived that, and we'd find even after that how frail, how the clay would crack, how easily it would be destroyed. And the Lord reminds us about that in our own lives. The clay is plain. There's nothing, it's not a mean, I didn't have any mean vases. It was plain, and it was vulnerable, and it was fragile. We're mortal, we're temporal. That's the, the Bible is describing us. We're plain. We're vulnerable, we're fragile, we're mortal, and we're temporal. And yet, God chooses to use us. Notice as well that the gospel is a great treasure God gives to us. We have this treasure, the Bible says, in clay jars. God puts a treasure there. He doesn't put the treasure in a vault or safe or even a beautiful jar, but in a simple, plain, vulnerable clay jar. And it's the treasure of the gospel. If you have your Bibles open, you'll notice the Bible says in verse 4, it's talking about the the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And so it's talking about the gospel message. That's the treasure. It's not us, though God treasures our relationship with him. But it's the gospel that is the treasure. We're the clay jar, the plain, vulnerable, fragile, mortal, temporal clay jar. And the treasure is the gospel. It's valuable. It's eternal. It's worth more than money, it's worth more than fame, it's worth more than power, it's worth more than whatever, whatever it might be that you're searching for and trying to grab hold of. That's the great treasure. We're saved by this great treasure. We're not saved by our merit. We don't go to heaven because we are good, because we go to church, because we're baptized, because we're nice. But we're saved by the merit of Jesus Christ, His grace, His mercy. Though we don't deserve salvation, we are clay, clay vessels. We've sinned against God. We're broken. We're, God is holy, and we're not. But we're saved by this great treasure of the gospel that says God loves us even though we're sinners. And Christ did something about our sinful condition. Christ lived the life that we couldn't live, the perfect life. And Christ died the death we deserved on the cross. And Christ gave us the miracle we need in the resurrection. And he can save us. And it's the great treasure of the gospel that saves us. 
Not our religion, not our goodness, not our hard work, but the gospel, Christ dying in our place, rising from the grave, offering his life for us. We're saved by this great treasure. We treasure the gospel because it is the means by which we can pass from death, spiritual death, to life. And it's the treasure that we share with others. We don't keep this treasure just for ourselves. It's not a treasure just for us, but it's a treasure that God gives to us for the purpose of helping others to hear the message of the gospel. And we'll see in upcoming weeks more of how God wants to use us to share the gospel with others and to help other people hear the great message of the gospel to find this great treasure in their own frail, fragile jar of clay. And then notice as well that God uses us, but it's by his extraordinary power. Notice verse 7. Now we have this treasure in clay jars so that, here's why, so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. Now the Christian life is not ultimately about us. God gives us salvation. God forgives us. God loves us but it's his extraordinary power. Our church life isn't about a pastor or a life group teacher or about you ultimately, but it's about the Lord. It's his extraordinary power and it's his ability. And so we don't say, look at how great our clay jars are. We say, look at the great treasure of the gospel. And we're pointing people beyond ourselves to the gospel message and beyond our own abilities and power. Now listen, we can be used by God, though we are clay jars. God loves to use ordinary people. Did you know that? God loves to use ordinary people. Missionaries are not people who have a different DNA than you have. They, they are like you, frail and fragile and sinful pasts, and, but they have found the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus, and God is, has called them, and they've answered that call and willing to serve God in a different culture. Those life group teachers, I mentioned our life group teachers are in the, their names in the, the adult life group teachers at least, in the uh, worship guide today, and we encourage people to get into life groups, but not because that life group teacher is a, somehow a perfect person that, and you're not, and they're, they have a different sort of spiritual DNA than you could ever hope to have. They are fallen, frail, fragile people like us who come to know Christ as Savior, and God uses their gifts and talents and abilities for him. God uses ordinary people, people who have recognized their need for him, people who have seen that it's God's power that we need and not our own. And notice that we depend upon God's power, not our cleverness or ability or talent. Any talent we have comes from God. Now, we're I'm in a room filled with people who are talented, a lot of people watching us online, talented people, gifted, hardworking. I appreciate all that God has done for them, but God's the one who gives the talent. God would not love you one bit more if you had more talent or less if you had less. God loves you based on his great love for you and not based on your ability or your talent or how quick you are, how sharp you may be, because it is we are dependent upon God's power and not our own. God uses us. He'll even use our abilities and talents, but it is God's power that we depend upon. It's his extraordinary power from God, not from us. Or we might say it like this, mathematically speaking, the Holy Spirit is greater than our talent. And so beware, depending upon your own abilities and your own talents, but instead recognize that our treasure is greater than us. And the point of this verse is not 
Look how great the jar of clay is, but look at how great the treasure is that is able to accomplish such extraordinary power through jars of clay like that. There's a second principle I'd like you to note. Would you write this down? Our difficulties are smaller than God. Our difficulties are smaller than God. When we talk about clay jars, we are reminded that there are some difficulties along the way. And verses 8 and 9 are important verses in our lives. They point out to us four different types of difficulties that we face, but how we can respond by the power of God. So let's note these four difficulties together. First, the Bible says we are afflicted, verse 8 says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. So we're afflicted. These are the problems of life. Sometimes we can use the word hard-pressed. Some translations might use that. It's a good translation. It's saying we're being pressed by the world. We're being squeezed. We're, We're between a rock and a hard place. And we're afflicted, the Bible says, in every way. Emotionally and physically, spiritually, mentally. There are all kinds of afflictions in this world. Paul had lots of problems and pressures. He says we are afflicted. He had plenty of afflictions. He had problems and he had pressures. Some of them happened just because had he never known Christ as Savior, he would have still had afflictions. Whether you follow the Lord or not, you're going to have afflictions. Paul had afflictions just because, sometimes because he did bad things, sometimes because other people did bad things, sometimes just because we live in a fallen world and afflictions happen. Whether you follow the Lord or not, there are going to be pandemics and sicknesses. You know, long before this pandemic, people got sick. Did you know that? Long after it's over, and 75 years from now, it'll still be other afflictions. That's the nature of this fallen world. If you live long enough in this world, you die. Apart from the return of the Lord, that's the nature of this world. Afflictions are a part of it. Sometimes, though, afflictions come even when you follow the Lord. Some of the problems Paul faced were because he followed the Lord. He did the right thing. Some of you thought, you know, if you follow the Lord, it'll just be all smooth and easy and you never have a problem. Uh, Paul didn't. That was not the case for Paul. He followed the Lord, and because of that, he found himself facing difficulties and struggles and afflictions. And you're going to face afflictions whether you follow the Lord or not. That's the nature of living in a fallen, broken, fragile world. And it's a part of the nature of being fallen and fragile yourself. You're going to have problems and pressures. And Paul said, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Now, many of you here could point out afflictions you're facing right now. All kinds, in every way. But I want you to know you don't have to be crushed. You don't have to be crushed. You can get back up. I don't know what Rocky, are they still making Rocky movies? There's the spinoffs of it still. Rocky 75 will be coming out soon. And, and I don't know the premise of that movie, but someone's going to get knocked down and they're going to have to get back up. That's, it's going to be at least part of that. They're going to get knocked down and they have to get back up. And that's really the story of life. We, get, we have all kinds of afflictions in life, but we are not crushed, the Bible says. Paul says, all the afflictions that I faced, and there are a couple of times in the Bible where he just listed a long list of afflictions but he wasn't crushed he wasn't crushed and he knew that he could depend upon god and trust god he knew the promises of god were real he knew the victory that god gives ultimately beyond this world beyond the fallenness of this nature 
And we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. There's a second difficulty. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Paul had lots of questions. Sometimes he was perplexed. He didn't always understand why. I get asked the question a lot, why? Why do these things happen? And why do these difficulties? And why these problems? Why if, why if I'm following the Lord, do I find myself facing these circumstances? And why me instead of someone else? Or, and I'll just, can I just tell you, lots of times the Lord doesn't answer. He does not always answer the question why. Some of you studied the book of Job, the great book of Job in your life group. And even with someone as great as Job, God did not always answer the question why. Did you notice that? He tells us what to do with the problems we face. He tells us how to deal with adversity and problems and difficulties. But very often in this world, he leaves unanswered the question, why? Why am I facing this problem? And maybe like Paul, you've been perplexed. I'm thankful we can come to God with questions that are beyond us. But I know God doesn't always answer the questions, not in this world at least, in the way that we think he might ought to. And so Paul says, I don't understand fully. I am perplexed. But then he says, but not in despair. I'm not in despair. He wasn't without hope. And while he couldn't always answer the question, why are these things happening? And why am I facing these difficulties? And why these struggles when I'm trying to live for the Lord? Why? He knew he could trust God in the middle of the problem. That God was with him even in the valley of the shadow of death. And he trusted God and he didn't live in despair. And can I say to you, you don't have to live in despair. I don't know why you're facing the problems you're facing. I might not be able to answer the questions that you're asking, but I know that God will go with you through the difficulties you face. God will love you even in the middle of the problems you're suffering and the difficulties you're facing. And so he said, we're perplexed, but not in despair. And then number three, he says, we are persecuted, but not abandoned. Now, Paul knew something about persecution. He, he knew what it was like to be persecuted for his faith, to be put in prison because of his faith, to be beaten because of his faith. He knew something of that, and he's not alone in this world. There are plenty of people in our world who are being persecuted for the faith even now. Our persecution in our country is so shallow, so small in comparison. I'm not saying there aren't some persecutions in our land and more of that happening, I think, uh, as time goes along. But in some parts of our world, there are some great persecutions. I've watched with some consternation events unfold in Afghanistan. And I've thought about the believers there in Afghanistan. God is doing a work in the Muslim world and many people coming to faith in Christ in a place where, where it is persecution is so common and difficulties are faced, challenges um, that we hardly know anything about in our Western world. And there are believers in Afghanistan. I saw some information about some Taliban leader talking about coming for those Christians who are in Afghanistan and the Christians responding by saying, we're not going anywhere and we're going to be faithful to the Lord right where we are. And I just thought, man, that sounds so foreign to our ears. But he, here are some people, here are some Christians who understood we are persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're not abandoned. God doesn't leave us in the hard times. 
He doesn't leave us when we face the fiery furnace. There he is with us. There he is with us. So whatever persecution you might face or problem you may face, we are not abandoned by the Lord. He is with us in those darkest moments of life. And then notice we are, the Bible says we are struck down but not destroyed. Now this is a strong term. When the Bible talks about being struck down, these are more the catastrophes of life. We're struck down, the Bible says. These are the big things. Some of you know something about big things. You know about being struck down. It's when someone says, you have cancer. Or when you lose a job. Or when your spouse walks out. And some of you know full well what it's like to be struck down. And Paul feels that same pain. He knows those same difficulties. He knows what it's like to be struck down. But he says this, but not destroyed. But not destroyed. Nine years ago, my father passed away, and I've watched my mother now nine years as a widow. And I know there are people in our church who have gone through all kinds of extended difficulties in life, but I've just had a front row seat sort of to watch my mother deal with this problem and difficulty and the struggle that comes with it. She married young, and you know, it's one thing to lose when an adult uh, child loses a parent. Of course, there's pain, and all the little child in you comes out, but, but uh, man, it's not the same as the widow or widower that's, she was young when she's married, all those decades of marriage, and then um, alone, and grieving, and all the pain, and I watched as she's talked about how she's asked God for comfort and strength in her grief. It's not as though God took away grief. It's just that we don't grieve as those who have no hope. It's not that we don't face pain. It's that the Lord is there with us in that pain, and how the Lord had provided for her sometimes just what she needed at the right moment, a hug, when she didn't have a husband to hug her anymore, you know, a friend when she needed someone to talk to. And she knew something about being struck down but not destroyed. Now, how could that be? I'll just tell you two reasons. Two reasons. Because she has hope and because she has help. She has hope because she knows the promises of God are real and that while we face afflictions and perplexity and persecution and we are struck down in this world, there's hope for tomorrow. There'll be a day when there's no more pain or sorrow, no more affliction or questions beyond our ability to understand. There'll be a time when we're not struck down any longer or persecuted anymore. And she has help. She's not alone. She can trust the Lord in those moments to be with her and to love her and to care about her. And the extraordinary treasure that he has put in her clay jar, he is there with her in that jar of clay, the treasure that he gives. And it's the truth that I remind you of. Our difficulties are smaller than God. But there's a third principle I'd like you to note with me. Our lives are given through death. Our lives are given through death. And verse 10 teaches us this important lesson. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. So there's three things I want you to note with me. No, first of all, that we live the death of Jesus. We live the death of Jesus. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body. 
Because Jesus died, we can truly live. Jesus' death is the means by which we can have life. It's the means by which we can be saved. It's the means by which we can have eternal life and, in this world, abundant life. And Christ can save you. I don't want to ask you today to give your life to Christ if you haven't. It's Jesus' death that makes that possible, and it's the means by which you can truly live. The Bible tells us we're dead in our trespasses and sins, and Christ, by his death, paid that penalty for us so that we can have life. We might even note that the Christian life, the Christian life is like this. We die to self and live for Christ. There's always death in the Christian life. We die to self, to our own ambitions and desires and goals, in order to live for Christ, to his greater purposes and greater plan for us, to find why he made us and what he wants to do in and through us in this world, and ultimately, of course, to have eternal life with him. And the Christian life, in the Christian life, we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, Romans 12 tells us. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice. A sacrifice in the days of the Old Testament was a, an animal that had died, a lamb that had, been, that had been slaughtered. And we live a living sacrifice. And because of the death of Jesus, who was our sacrifice, we can have life. And so the Bible says we always carry the death of Jesus in our body. We always remember that for us to live is to die to self and live for Christ, that our Christian life is always a living sacrifice. Jesus died so that we can truly live. Note as well that we show the life of Jesus. We live the death of Jesus, but we show the life of Jesus. The Bible says in verse 10, we always carry the death of Jesus in our bodies so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. We show the life of Jesus. Because Jesus rose, we can truly live. Jesus died, but he conquered death. Jesus died but he rose from the dead. And because of that, we can truly live. And we want people to see Christ in us. Did you know, those of you who know Christ as Savior, probably for someone, you are the example of what a Christian really is, for good or for bad. And when they think of what is a Christian to be like, they think of you because you're in that job or you're in that school or you're in that family. And the Bible reminds us that we show the life of Jesus, and we want people to see Christ in us. Now, we're going to be imperfect. We're chipped in fragile jars of clay, but we want people to see the great treasure of Christ and to see Christ in us. And note as well that we share the gospel of Jesus. The Bible says, so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. We, show, we share the gospel of Christ. The Bible tells us in uh, verse 5, if you Remember from last week that we are proclaiming, our, we're not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. The proclamation we make is not us, we're the jar of clay, but we're, we're proclaiming Jesus Christ, the gospel of Christ, God who became a man and lived among us. And we're to use our clay jar to display the treasure of Christ. We're to use our clay jar to display the gospel message. Listen, I may not be able to play basketball with the guys here like I used to, but I can share the gospel of Christ because God will give this great treasure and put it in a jar of clay and through that allow people to see Christ in me if I will live that out. 
and I can share that gospel with others. And so I want to ask you, Christian, I want to ask you to ask God to help you share the gospel with someone this week. This week. Ask God, believer, ask God to help you share the gospel with someone this week. And I believe if you'll ask God to do that, he'll put you in a position where you can be a witness for him, where people will see Christ in you, where you will have an opportunity to be an influence for the Lord and for his glory. Ask God to help you share the gospel with someone this week. Will you do that? And then I want to ask you, those of you who don't yet know Christ as Savior, to trust Christ as Savior and Lord, to give your life to him and to find that God wants to put the greatest treasure the world has ever known of all places right in you right in your heart, right in your life. And he wants to save you from your sins. And he wants to give you eternal life. But he also wants to put that treasure in your life so that you'll be a blessing to others. And so that others will see Christ in you. And that you'll have an abundant life that will make a difference for his glory. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. And as we pray, I want to ask you to join me in praying about these two things. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, today, would you give your life to him? and experience the greatest treasure, the pearl of great price, bigger than any, more valuable than any money you could ever get or any things you could ever have or power or fame, would you repent of your sins and would you place your trust in Christ? He died for you and rose from the grave for you and find him as Savior and Lord. Give your life to Christ and he'll save you. Christian, I want to ask you, will you, right where you are, will you say, God, I want to ask you to help me this week to share the gospel with someone. This week, to use this jar of clay in which you have poured the treasure of the gospel, would you help me this week to share the gospel with someone? I believe God will answer that prayer for you if you'll make that your prayer. And he'll give you the opportunity. And he'll use you to make a difference, frail and fragile though we are, to show people the greatness of the extraordinary power of the message of the gospel. Father, thank you for your word and the truth and the power. Thank you you love plain, ordinary vessels like us, fragile, weak, broken, but you are able to use us for your purposes. And you put within us the great treasure, the greatest treasure this world has ever known, the message of the gospel. And we can be an influence for you. We can point people to the Savior. And you can use us to help other people discover that same treasure. We thank you for that and the power of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to sing our closing hymn. And